Welcome back to Thinking About It. Uh, I'm Bob McGregor. And I'm Stan Fowler. And Stan, we started last time, last episode, uh, trying to get our head wrapped around all things related to Rabbi Zachariah and his ministry, his fall. Um, what are the lessons? What are the warnings from that? And we didn't get finished. It just went by so quickly. But we want to talk about not necessarily Rabbi himself, but the, the whole the cult of celebrity rock star pastors. Um, how, did, how did that happen? Are we, are we asking for that? Uh, can you have that and still uh, maintain um, a, an inner world that, that is one of integrity? Uh, is it inevitable that if you have that kind of platform, uh, you're just going to fall? So let's, let's just talk about that. Yeah, um, I, I, I don't think I can identify with the problem firsthand because uh, I've never exactly become a rock star. Um, now I did get a. You're getting published uh, quite a bit. Well, lately. I just recently I got uh, I got royalties uh, for a book of mine to the tune of seventy-seven British pounds, but that goes back over the last few years, actually. So I don't think it's that a makes start. Me, don't think it makes me a rock star. Yeah, it's an interesting phenomenon, and of course, it it become it has become especially a problem in the in the modern Western world, with um, with all of our advances in communications and travel, and and so a gifted preacher or musician or, or musician um, can who may have a very powerful ministry locally somewhere also has the possibility of, of developing a national or an international ministry. Now, I'm, I'm, you need to know I'm, I'm an internationally loved theologian because my wife lives in Canada and my mother lives in the USA. Like I said, okay. you're on your way but, to that status. <laughs> <laughs> but, but the possibilities exist now in a way that, that, they, that they didn't before. I mean, you had the speed of communication, we... We have, we have the possibilities of travel and so on. And, and frankly, I mean, I think you and I can both recognize in our limited way that if, if we preach and teach in a way that people appreciate and we get positive feedback, we get people saying, wow, that was a wonderful sermon, Pastor. I mean, that really touched me. It really really touched my life where it is. That was incredibly helpful. We enjoy hearing that. I mean, it's, it's a lovely thing to hear, and, it's, and we're grateful for affirmation and positive reinforcement. And, you know, I, I guess if, if we hear that enough, it's, it's easy to think, I'm God's gift to the world, and... If my ministry went down, that would be an utter catastrophe. God needs me. You're aware of Rush Limbaugh's tagline, talent on loan from God? There you go. (laughs) To to speak of another um, fellow who has recently Mm. met his demise Mm -hmm. and and died, was it yesterday or day before? Yeah, it's all over the news. so the possibility is there, and, and, and I guess I, I think I can recognize. I mean, if, 
if I were getting uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars in royalties for my book and not 77 British pounds, it'd be pretty easy to start thinking I'm, I'm pretty special and, and God would have a hard time getting his work in the world done without me. Right, and the answer isn't don't do it. Don't do anything significant. No. Don't write well. Don't preach well. Uh, refuse invitations to bless other congregations. I, I hope that's not the answer. No, surely not. I mean, I mean, if God gives us gift and opportunity, then with humility, uh, I take it, we, we need to seize those opportunities. But we, but we do need to be accountable. And I, I'm sure there's, there's something to be said if, if that person, that musician, that preacher, that teacher, that apologist, is, is seriously grounded in a local church, and and accountable to the leadership, the elders in that local church. That that surely is a is a positive big step in the right direction. But but you and I both know, even at, at yeah. the local level, the structure only works if we do. Right. Well, you can be a rock star in your own local church. You can, and you, you have the same problem. That's right. And so we we have to be able to ask one another the hard questions. I mean, I mean, I think you you need to be able to say to me, Stan, do you really think that's a wise move? Um, do you really think you should have said that or written that? I mean, I need to be open to that. Mm-hmm. If if we're serious, and especially if if we're serious about plurality of leadership in the local church. Then, then right. we need to be open to challenging one another. Well, well, here's the thing. You know, the pastor is usually the 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 best educated, has more theological training than anyone in the church. And so there's a, a tendency to say, well, really, you guys need to listen to me. I, I'm worthy of double honor. I'm called. You're not. That kind of thinking. Yeah. Uh, I am the lead pastor, whatever that means. And so there's a tendency to default into a kind of presidential mode or um, and this scripture that will be twisted a little bit to support that kind of thing. But you and I would agree that if you're an elder, you're, you're one of a team and God speaks to the church through the team of elders and not through your ability to persuade them of your particular view. Right. Um, you know, I, th- I think an, another problem that I perceive with regard to Christian celebrity culture is the conference culture. I mean, there, there, are, uh, there are various ongoing regular conferences that, have, that, in my opinion, have had incredible benefit for evangelical churches mm-hmm. and leaders. And and the two best known right now probably are the Gospel Coalition and Together for the Gospel. Both of them, um, well, they they have in alternate years they have large national conferences, which really are continental conferences at the very least, yeah. because a lot of Canadians go to these conferences in the USA. Um, in fact, sometimes that's where I see my Canadian friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, in my case, it's normally at Evangelical Theological Society in the USA. But I, what, one of the concerns others have expressed, and I think the, the, 
the leaders of those two conferences try to take it seriously is if you keep having the same faces in the publicity year after year after year, the same speakers all the time, doesn't that doesn't that contribute to an, a, to a kind of celebrity culture as if these are the only people who can really deliver the goods? Now, I think they've, they've tried to take some steps uh, to get beyond that. I know last year, whichever one it was that happened last year, it must have been together for the gospel. They included some new speakers, names I didn't even recognize. And, and I think that was a really good step in, in the right direction. But the, the whole conference circuit can produce this kind of thing. And, and I, I don't think we should give up on it and say, well, it has no value. Because I've been to some of those conferences that had immense value. But we do need to recognize the dangers. We can, we can create rock stars in the Christian world. Yeah, so how, what would, how would you advise uh, a pastor who is ascending to that? He's not looking for it necessarily, but it's, it's coming. Wow, that's a good one. Um, I don't know. I think I, I would say certainly stay anchored locally. Um, Make sure you have people locally who will, who are good enough friends to um, do the loving thing rather than the nice thing. And um, for a man, I think you, you need to listen to your wife for sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I know people talk about accountability partners, and I, I, I get that. But, you know, frankly, if I lie to my wife, I probably will lie to my accountability partners mm-hmm. too. So I don't know. Um, now my case, you know, my, my kids and grandkids help keep me linked to planet earth. Um, they, they don't, if, if I have any press clippings at all, they don't necessarily believe them. <laughs> and so, and so it's a help frankly yeah. to have a good family yeah. around. Yeah, who uh, who keep me anchored. I I appreciate my sons who uh, who've inherited some of my sense of humor and 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 who yeah. will uh, push back. So they don't contribute to the cult. No, they don't. They uh, really don't. Do you think a, 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 it would be wise for a pastor to say, "Look, I'll speak three times a year, or four to maximum, just to limit it because my calling is here in this church." Uh, I'm not as committed to your deal, your conference, whatever that is, and just to say no. I think that that may be a good idea. I know the possibility is um, always be willing to say yes to the small groups, the invitations that are that do not have mass publicity. Mm-hmm. I. One of the good things for me is there, there's a very small church here in Ontario where I've spoken probably half a dozen times. And, and I confess, there, there's a part of me that says, uh, do I really want to drive an hour and a half to get there for that small group? I think it's probably good for me to do that and, and recognize that 
they're God's people and they need the ministry of the word and I need to be willing to provide it. Do they pay the gas? They do. Yeah. Yeah. They don't cheat me in, in terms of what they mm-hmm. pay uh, or anything like that. But let's face it, we, we, we probably would all like to speak to large groups much mm-hmm. more than really small groups. Um, okay, we're going to run out of time, but I, I have one question. What, what do you as a pastor say to the disillusioned person who profited greatly from Ravi Zacharias' ministry and who now says, what do I make of all this? I mean, yeah. do, I, do I burn his books? Do I... Right. Do I burn up the recordings? I yeah. mean, how do what 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 yeah, sense I, can I, I make yeah, out of all I've, this? I've thought about that. I think we're all thinking about it, and I'm not finished thinking about it. But one of the things is you have to take a warning, right? Yeah. Take heed lest you fall. Yeah. Um, the 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 guarantee of your salvation is perseverance, right? That's how you know. And persevering to the end with, with integrity, with humility, with a, the ability to, to know how to repent. The other thing is we look to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, right? He has never failed. And I think that's part of the problem uh, with rock star culture. We may not say it, but we're really looking to these people for our inspiration and for our example. And we'll say, yeah, because they're following Jesus. Well, they're not, uh, apparently. And so we need to cultivate that personal intimacy with Jesus and let this be the occasion where we draw closer to him. Uh, I, don't, I don't think this should undo any believers. It shouldn't overwhelm us. It's a sober warning, but uh, Jesus is faithful, and uh, we, we just need to cling to that. Yeah, and, uh, and I mean, I've... I've in talking with some people, I've, I've said uh, we need to remember the good apologetics arguments that he used are still good arguments. Mm-hmm. All the evidence that God raised Jesus from the dead is still valid evidence. That's still true. Yeah. Uh, whether those who proclaim Jesus mm-hmm. are a model mm-hmm. of a Jesus life mm-hmm. or not. That's the, God is the one who saves not the preacher. And the message, the gospel only saves in the sense that it's the message about what God has done and is doing to save us. It's God who saves. Mm -hmm. Everything else is means that God uses. Mm -hmm. God through Christ is the source of our salvation, and we have to constantly remind ourselves of that. Amen. But can we trust anybody anymore? You know, <laughs> I get that's a question that someone posed to me recently. How can I trust when when this kind of trust and this powerful leader right. has let me down? Well, people use that argument a lot, right? It doesn't mean you clam up and you don't trust anybody in any context. You know, uh, been burned romantically. I can't trust another woman again. Well. That's life, you know, and every one of us enters into relationships where we're vulnerable and you get hurt. And I, and I, I hope that the rabbi fallout isn't that we just don't trust. I think we need to ask questions. Yeah. But uh, I, I would trust even though I know I may get hurt from time. I don't want to live without trusting. No, I, I, I mean, I agree wholeheartedly. It's what I've said to people. It's a reminder. It's a reminder that ultimately... Absolute trust, yeah. really absolute trust, mm-hmm. is only directed to 
God himself, yeah. the triune God, can be absolutely mm-hmm. trusted. But that, doesn't, but that doesn't mean that we ought not trust to the yeah. level of our understanding in this life. We, we simply can't live mm-hmm. if we don't trust one another <laughs> according to all the evidence yeah. we have. This side of the second right. coming, that's the reality. And the people we trust are sinners. Indeed. And they're going to sin. All right, Stan. Uh, we need to be encouraged that Jesus is faithful, and in spite of all this, remarkable things are happening around the world here in our church and in other places. Uh, during uh, COVID lockdown era, God is still doing remarkable things, and we are encouraged, but we're a little wiser now. We are, and we remember that Christ will complete the work he has begun. Amen. Until then, I'm Bob McGregor. I'm Stan Fowler. Thanks for listening. Keep on thinking. Thank you.